Everybody and welcome back to Galaxy Moonbeam Nightsight. We are the retro show. We talk about everything and anything having to do with those wonderful golden baby boomer years. If you were born between the years of, say, 1945 and 1965, you're going to know all about what we're talking about. And if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, listen in because we've got some exciting things that bring back the memories of us growing up. A lot of you listeners are going to be enthralled by our show today. I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And I'm George. And we're going to look back to one of the notables, truly a notable in American pop culture, American children's entertainment, American television for that matter, none other than the legendary and always remembered Mr. Fred Rogers. Smitty, Talk to us about Mr. Rogers and his neighborhood, since you grew up there. I did. I did grow up in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. Let's uh, play this little clip, see how many of you remember this and brings back memories. Yes, the opening theme to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, a program that uh, began 50 years ago. It began in 1968 on the uh, public broadcasting system. We're going to talk uh, a lot about Mr. Rogers during this half-hour program. We're going to start off with a little uh, sort of mini-biography of Mr. Rogers because there's a lot here. Then we'll toss it open and and George and Michael join in on uh, on the conversation. But Fred McFeely Rogers, who was to become a well-loved television personality, creator of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, as well as a puppeteer, musician, writer, producer, and Presbyterian minister, was born in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, on March 20, 1928. Early in life, he spent much of his free time with his maternal grandfather, Fred McFeely, who had an interest in music. His mother also played the piano, and very often he would sing along as she played. He himself began playing piano at the age of five. Mr. Rogers graduated from Latrobe High School in 1946. He studied at Dartmouth College from 1946 to 1948, and then transferred to Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. It was there that he earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in music composition in 1951. About 11 years later, in 1963, after marrying and while raising two sons, Mr. Rogers graduated from Pittsburgh Theological Seminary and was ordained a minister in the United Presbyterian Church. Fred Rogers first saw television in his parents' home. He became interested in exploring television's potential as a medium. In 1951, he applied for a position at NBC in New York. He became assistant producer for The Voice of Firestone and later as floor director for The Lucky Strike Hit Parade, The Kate Smith Hour, and the NBC Opera Theater. Eventually, Mr. Rogers decided that commercial television's reliance on advertisement and merchandising undermined its ability to educate or enrich young audiences, so he quit his job at NBC. In an interview years later, Mr. Rogers said, I went into television because I hated it so, and I thought there's some way of using this fabulous instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. 
In November of 1953, at the request of WQED Pittsburgh, the nation's first community-sponsored educational television station, Mr. Rogers moved back to Pennsylvania. The station was not yet on the air, and Mr. Rogers was asked to develop the first program schedule. One of the first programs he produced was called The Children's Corner. It was a daily, live, hour-long visit with music and puppets and host Josie Carey. Mr. Rogers served as puppeteer, composer, and organist. In 1955, the Children's Corner won the Sylvania Award for the best locally produced children's program in the country, and it was on the Children's Corner that several regular characters of Mr. Rogers' neighborhood first made their appearance. Among them, Daniel Striped Tiger, X the Owl, King Friday the 13th, Henrietta Pussycat, and Lady Elaine Fairchild. Mr. Rogers also provided the voices for these now well-loved characters. During this time, while not working at the television station, Mr. Rogers continued to study at the seminary and the University of Pittsburgh's Graduate School of Child Development. After his graduation and ordination as a Presbyterian minister in 1963, Mr. Rogers, who was not interested in preaching, was specifically charged to continue his work with children and families through television and the mass media. After his work with WQED, Fred Rogers was asked to create a children's program for the Canadian Broadcasting Company. The head of children's programs for the network named the 15-minute program Mr. Rogers. That's all one word, Mr. Rogers. It was on this series that Mr. Rogers made his on-camera debut as the program's host. The program ran for three seasons. Many of the pieces and sets later made famous on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, such as the trolley, the Eiffel Tower set, X the Owl's Tree, and King Friday's Castle were created by CBC designers. In 1966, he and his family returned to Pittsburgh, and Mr. Rogers acquired the rights to his program from the CBC and moved the show back to WQED in Pittsburgh, where he incorporated segments of the CBC program into a new series called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. On February 19, 1968, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood began on NET, National Educational Television, which would later become PBS. 895 episodes were created from that time until the last new episode, which was recorded in December of 2000. Each episode began with Mr. Rogers arriving and singing his theme song, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and changing into a pair of sneakers and a cardigan sweater. In any given episode, Mr. Rogers would have a conversation with his TV audience about the topic of the day, receive a visit from a live guest, often interact with pets and small animals, and perhaps show a short film, and maybe take a field trip nearby. All the time, Mr. Rogers spoke in a friendly and calming voice to the children watching. Each episode featured a trip to the neighborhood of make-believe, where King Friday, Daniel, X the Owl, Henrietta, and the others lived. Often the subjects discussed or acted upon in the neighborhood of make-believe expanded or allowed further exploration of the topics Mr. Rogers had talked about in the beginning of the show. The show was very simple and familiar to viewers. It was not fast-paced, nor did it have any animation. Mr. Rogers also did not believe in acting out a different persona or character in the show. He was himself acting as he did in real life. Over the years, all manner of topics were presented on this show. Some of these topics might include how things are made, how people work in different jobs, show caring and respect for pets, addressing childhood fears, exploring the world of music, explaining that children sometimes can't do some of the things that grown-ups do, just to name a few. He wanted to teach children to love themselves and others. Also, Mr. Rogers dealt with topics that were very serious in nature, explaining in a very gentle and reassuring way such topics as death, 
divorce, and notably in 1968, after the assassinations of Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy, addressing the fear and questions children had in the wake of these tragedies. In a memorable 1970 episode, Mr. Rogers discovers that one of the fish in his aquarium has died. He very carefully takes the fish out, and after being unable to revive it, he buries it in his yard. After burying the little fish, he recalls his pet dog from his childhood and how sad he was when his dog died. He very gently talks about death and loss and how one might feel at that time, providing a very gentle, calm, and soothing explanation of death and loss. That's what Mr. Rogers did best, explaining things easily, simply, and gently. Fred Rogers composed almost all of the music heard on the program. The recurring songs were all written by him. Such songs as Won't You Be My Neighbor, Just For Once, Today Is A Very Special Day, I'm Taking Care Of You, and It's Such A Good Feeling, just to name a very few, are still well remembered by those who watched his program many years ago. Through the years, Fred Rogers also appeared on specials that were made for parents and adults and in specials highlighting people who served their communities and in programs that were specifically addressed to concerns about parents. Besides two George Foster Peabody Awards, Emmys, Lifetime Achievement Awards from the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences and the TV Critics Association, Fred Rogers received every major award in television for which he was eligible, and many others from special interest groups in education, communications, and early childhood. In 1989, he was inducted in the Television Academy Hall of Fame. His life and work have been the subject of feature articles in national publications, including Life, Reader's Digest, Parents, Esquire, Parade, and TV Guide. In 2002, President George W. Bush presented him with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor, recognizing his contribution to the well-being of children and a career in public television that demonstrates the importance of kindness, compassion, and learning. On January 1, 2003, in his last public appearance, Fred Rogers served as a Grand Marshal of the Tournament of Roses Parade and tossed the coin for the Rose Bowl game. Fred Rogers was the composer and lyricist of over 200 songs, the author of numerous books for children, including the First Experience series and the Let's Talk About It series, and the author of many books for adults, including the Mr. Rogers Playtime book, You Were Special, The Giving Box, Mr. Rogers Talks with Parents, and Dear Mr. Rogers, Does It Ever Rain in Your Neighborhood? His last book, The Mr. Rogers Parenting Book, was praised by Publishers Weekly for the qualities of warmth and attentiveness that translate very well into this brief yet thorough parenting guide. Fred Rogers received more than 40 honorary degrees from colleges and universities, including Yale University, Hobart and William Smith, Carnegie Mellon University, Boston University, St. Vincent College, University of Pittsburgh, North Carolina State University, University of Connecticut, Dartmouth College, Waynesboro College, and his alma mater, Rollins College. Mr. Rogers was diagnosed with stomach cancer in December of 2002. He underwent surgery on January 6, 2003, which was unsuccessful. Fred Rogers died on the morning of February 27, 2003, at his home with his wife by his side less than a month before he would have turned 75. His death was such a significant event in Pittsburgh that most of the front page of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette published the next day and an entire section of the paper devoted its coverage to him. As is written in the website fredrogers.org, the beloved program Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is described this way. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was a television visit between Mr. Rogers and his young viewers. With his caring and trusting ways, Mr. Rogers created a calm, safe place for children to learn about themselves, 
about others, and about the world around them. Mr. Rogers brought them a one-to-one affirmation of their self-worth. That just a brief biography of Fred Rogers and Mike, George, I have to tell the both of you and to tell our audience as well, going back and researching all this, what Mr. Rogers just brought back a flood of memories from my early years. Quite a unique personality, George, uh, Fred Rogers and the work that he did on television for children. Very much so. And, and what a beautiful tribute that you shared with us, Gilbert. If we look at the body of his work, it can probably be summed up with four words. Fun with a purpose. Fun with a purpose. That's how you can describe the body of his contributions to media. And if you look further into that, we note that he not only informed and educated his audience, but he sought to inspire them to lead a good and ethical life. Indeed, probably the overriding theme that you alluded to, Gilbert, is that he was driven by and inspired by love. And because he was an ordained minister, something that I share in common with him, I really appreciate how he went forth in his life and truly embodied what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says, and it's found in the Gospel of John, to love one another as I have loved you. Mr. Rogers was about living that gospel, that is, to show love to others. And as you noted, he not only provided a soothing atmosphere, a safe place, but he was very relatable without being preachy. He was fun, again, fun with a purpose. And one of the things that I could relate to, and perhaps Mike might remember this as well, is that I remember growing up in the 1960s and early 70s is that we always had what we were called play clothes, that when you were to get together with friends after school or to do other things that, you know, you were to change from what you wore to school or elsewhere to church, perhaps, and you got into your play clothes. And so when Mr. Rogers would don his famous sneakers, which By the way, I understood originally he put those on for practical purposes to avoid making squeaking sounds on the floor, but he put on the sneakers, put on the sweater, which by the way, I understand most of those sweaters were knitted by his mother. All of this was something that we as children could relate to. And again, he showed us what it meant to live an inspired life. He truly lived the gospel. Mike, your thoughts? This show talks quite a bit in our nine years, over 200 episodes of pioneers in various American pop culture and media. Children's media was basically non-existent in the early 50s when Fred Rogers got into the business, so to speak. You had Kukla, Fran, and Ollie, and a, a few of the other, but mainly children's media was basically puppet shows. Or Buffalo Bob dressed up, and you'd have the the appropriate clown on the show. But Fred Rogers brought a nuance to the point of listening to children and speaking to them at the same time through the medium of television. You talk about Fred Rogers, you're going to have to talk about somebody who was a true trailblazer in that type of television genre. There was no format at the time for children's media. Really, there was non-existent. A lot of it was uh, family-based sitcoms, but there was no method acting. There was no historical data to go off of to find out what was going to work and what wasn't going to work in children's television media. He was a true trailblazer and a pioneer, and we're talking also at a time when public broadcast was in its infant stage. It was funded by the government, and there was a lot of pushback from uh, 
taxpayers from all over the country about subsidizing a television network that basically would not have commercials, not have uh, right or left-winging editorials. It was pretty vanilla in the early days. It's changed quite a bit over the past 50 or 60 years. But you think of this fellow who came up with this idea, I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to talk to the kids. This is not going to be a cartoon show. It's not going to be a three-ring circus on stage. It's not going to be Bozo the Dancing Clown or Chucko the Birthday Clown. It's going to be me uh, in all my personality. Uh, Say what you will about his personality, but he was an interesting guy because he created his own persona through his self. He was not a guy who he would go off camera and be entirely a different person. Uh, From what we understand in our research, he was the same way on camera or off camera. And imagine today somebody who would be like that in entertainment, in the entertainment industry or the media, who would be the same type of person he was on the screen as off the screen. So he was quite a legendary figure, but he became a legend because even to this day, and and I was a little older, little old for Mr. Rogers, but I remember my little brother watching the show. And I have grandkids today, and it's 2018, and my grandkids are still devoted to watching Daniel Tiger on the PBS, of course, and uh, to the point where I even had to order from Amazon a Daniel Tiger trolley. So even the accoutrements and all of the uh, all the little swag and the toys and the things, they still follow long after. Fred Rogers would have turned 90 this year. Imagine that. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Back in March, he would have celebrated his 90th birthday. And we talk about so many people who trailblazed television and radio and even the big screen. And it always has to come back, I would say, in the top 25 of all time. Fred Rogers would have to have a place, have to have a seat in that top 25. Absolutely, Mike. I think all of us of a certain age have a, a special connection with Mr. Rogers. I was, we were talking before we went on the air that I'm an only child, George is an only child, and uh, Mr. Rogers was on the air when I was, uh, when, well, when he began on the air, I was five years old, 1968, and so um, kind of grew up with him. And as an only child, it was, it was really neat. He really was someone who came to visit every day via the television and was talking directly to you. He wasn't talking to everybody else. He was talking right to you, again, in that very gentle, very calming, very soothing way, explaining things and sharing things, and just a lot of good memories uh, of that time period, just the way that he interacted. And he really was a, a welcome friend that came to visit via television. Gilbert, you're so right. As only children, we can relate to uh, perhaps enjoying our solitude. And yet at the same time, we were able to invite this friendly persona into our very own living room or family room. And he came and for that brief span of time, we were able to interact with him and relate to, you know, the topic of the day that he spoke about. And yet, I want to go back to what Mike noted about him being a pioneer, being a trailblazer. That actually goes beyond just what he did on television. And I want to speak to his uh, work in ministry, because this is where I can also relate to Mr. Rogers. Many of you in the Galaxy audience know that yours truly, for nearly two decades, I'm also a member of the ordained clergy in the Orthodox Church in America with the title of Reverend Protodeacon. And what I want to explain here to people is that Like Mr. Rogers, you know, I was ordained, but I had a very successful and continue to have a very successful lay profession. 
And what I find interesting and relatable here is that Mr. Rogers did not become a full-time minister, but what he did was that he incorporated that into the body of his work. In fact, his work, his TV show, was a form of ministry to reflect the teachings of Christ and to be able to not only inform and educate, but to inspire others. Similarly, what I found when I received my calling is that I did not give up my lay profession, but actually what happened was that I was able to transform, well, not not me transforming, but it's obviously a spiritual transformation, that your work becomes your ministry. You are able to relate to people in a different way, and I have found that to be very inspirational. And I think this is what Mr. Rogers can teach us, is that you can incorporate that into your life and there's no contradiction. And what I want to share with the Galaxy audience here is something that Gilbert and I have talked about privately over the years. And this goes back to the very first time that we met. And I noted at the time about how the Galaxy program seeks to honor the past and at the same time take the best of the past and move into the future. And Gilbert replied to me, we view this as sort of a form of ministry. And so it was a natural for me to be able to uh, join in this wonderful program that you both have created, because it too is a form of ministry. We seek to honor the best of the past to hopefully inform, to educate, maybe inspire and uh, help others Uh, in our own way, to be able to bring enrichment into their lives. And this is what Mr. Rogers was able to do. And I think that's what we look at his life and his ministry. Well, thank you, George, for your kind comments on that. And absolutely, uh, Mr. Rogers, it was a ministry, as we had described a little bit earlier. He was was charged by the church to continue this ministry to minister to children and families via television and the mass medium. Thinking about his shows, they were just so so gentle, so uh, so soothing. In fact, I'll share a little anecdote with everyone. Back in the uh, very early 90s, I had a job uh, where I had to get up very early in the morning. It's, I had to be at work at 6 in the morning, and I got home in the afternoon real tired and kind of exhausted. I would put Mr. Rogers on the TV and as an adult already, as a as an adult, I found that soothing. It was very soothing to watch Mr. Rogers as an adult, bringing back a lot of memories from childhood, but also just very gentle way of watching him. And I found that very, very soothing. I, I remember that very well. Gilbert, I want to, you've said something to me that I thought was very appropriate when you mentioned the 90s. In 1997, Mr. Rogers received a Lifetime Achievement Award uh, on the Daytime Emmys for his work in television. And I read the uh, description of that event in Esquire magazine, and that is what we might term now as the ultimate drop-the-mic moment. And I know, Mike, you've talked about that in previous broadcasts about, you know, what is the ultimate drop-the-mic moment. But if I may, I'd like to just read, read Esquire's description of that, and they writes the following, that Mr. Rogers went on stage to accept the award And there, in front of all of the soap opera stars and talk show sincerotrons, in front of all the jutting man-tan jaws and jutting saltwater bosoms, he made his small bow and said into the microphone, All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. 
Would you just take along with me 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are? 10 seconds of silence. And then he lifted his wrist and looked at the audience, looking at his watch and said, I'll watch the time. There was at first a small whoop from the crowd, a giddy strangled hiccup of laughter, as people realized that he was not kidding, that Mr. Rogers was not some convenient eunuch, but rather a man, an authority figure who actually expected them to do what he asked. And so they did. One second, two seconds, three seconds. And now the jaws clenched and the bosoms heaved. And the mascara ran, and the tears fell upon the beglittered gathering like rain leaking down a crystal chandelier. And Mr. Rogers finally looked up from his watch and said softly, May God be with you to all of his vanquished children. That, my friends, I think is the ultimate drop-the-mic moment. It's hard to find one that can really top that. And what a way to cap uh, an inspired life and an inspired career. That's uh, very true, George. Uh, that was very moving. That clip is on YouTube for those of you who want to uh, to see that. I've seen it, and it is it does bring a tear to the eye. It uh, really shows what Mr. Rogers, what kind of a man he was. And Mike, it's been a number of years that we did a program on Captain Kangaroo, as you recall. Those of you who are longtime listeners, we did a program on Captain Kangaroo probably seven years ago, something like that, six, seven years ago. I've wanted to do a program on Mr. Rogers for quite a long time, but can we draw any parallels, Mike, between Captain Kangaroo and, and Mr. Rogers? I think there's a lot of similarities, but there's a lot of differences, too. Well, again, as a TV pioneer, a children's programming pioneer, Captain Kangaroo, uh, these guys, they had one set. Think about it. That was the start of the a method of children entertainment, live children entertainment. Captain Kangaroo brought more characters in where Fred Rogers brought in actual real people who would guest on his show. And you have a, a method that's evolving throughout the 60s that today is still a format. Whether you go to Nickelodeon or you go to one of the children's specialized, I call them specialized cable channels, you still have the host. You have guests that come in. You have a feature, usually a theme of a story, and Fred Rogers created that. Think of the model he created, and it sustains itself 50 years later, 40 years later, 30 years later for that matter. Animations, where there were no animations, there was no CGI on Captain Kangaroo shows. There was uh, Mr. TikTok, the Grandfather Clock, and Mr. Green Jeans and the Banana Man, but there was no CGI. There was no computer-generated waterfalls and things happening as with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Now, he had cut-ins. He would have his little clips and his film strips, but typically the show was nuts and bolts. Host, occasional guest, same set. Uh, we're not going outside anywhere, and we're not going to visit the zoo today other than some pictures and some drawings. And think to that how it, something that was created 40 or more, 50, almost no, 50, 45, 50 years ago, holds today as the framework and the structure and the foundation for many of the uh, children's entertainment models that are on cable TV today and, and moving more and more toward uh, Internet programming, YouTube. You can just watch about any TV show or the news on YouTube now. But the method carries, so we have to tip our hats and give thanks to these pioneers of television and movie media that created, there was nothing to create off of. It was just what was in their head and came out in the scripts or the sketchbooks 
or the frameworks for their shows. So, yes, truly trailblazing and the Captain Kangaroo's Buffalo Bob. Howdy doody. Think about it. It was a <laughs> puppet. And to this day, you can go back and you can trace, you can pedigree children's programming today all the way back to the time of those trailblazers. Absolutely. I think, Mr. Rogers, uh, the simplicity, the ease, the calmness that mm-hmm. he approached his topics and how the way he addressed the children, I think, was uh, something, again, that we all remember that is still in our hearts. And we remember Mr. Rogers with a great deal of love and affection all these years later. He's still with us. He most definitely is, and we pray that his memory will be eternal. When I think of Mr. Rogers, I remember Proverbs 6, verses 24 to 26. May the Lord be with you and his countenance shine upon you. And certainly, Mr. Rogers, you reflected the countenance of the Lord to all of those many generations of children, and you remain in our hearts forever. Let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say... Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Well, okay, Galaxy Neighbors, that's it for this show. We hope you enjoyed our retrospective and our memories of the great, late Mr. Fred Rogers. We hope you'll tune in to this as well as the well over 200 other shows available on Apple iTunes. Just search Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight or search Golden Age of Radio and TV or Baby Boomer Radio, and you'll find us on Apple iTunes. You can almost always find us on Facebook. We don't update as often as we'd like to, but links to our current shows as well as the other shows are available right at Facebook at Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight. See us soon. Email us, Galaxy Moonbeam Night Sight at Gmail. We hope to hear from you soon, but check in and be a friend at Facebook. Well, until the next show, I'm Mike. I'm Smitty. And I'm George. It's been a wonderful look back at the life and times of one of our American originals. And stay tuned. Come back and join us for more as we remember these people, places, and things from a time that we grew up that is so warm and tender to our hearts. And off we go, my neighbors. (laughs) 